Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi, I'm Dory Greenspan, and my latest cookbook is Everyday Dory, The Way I Cook. It's so nice to chat with you again. Last time we talked, it was about Dory's cookies. Now, Everyday Dory is similar to Around My French Table, but not French. Talk a little bit about that. It's so not French, Susie. Um, In fact, so many, I I realized as I was looking at the recipes that I'd collected for this book, that my cooking has really changed over the years. So Around My French Table was published in 2010, so that's eight years ago. And over that time, I've been living more in Connecticut. I still live part-time in Paris. I still live part-time in New York City. But I'm really spending a lot more cooking time in Connecticut, where I am so far away from a supermarket. And I don't have, there's one specialty store, but it's kind of a trek. And so I realized that my cooking has become simpler and way more practical that I'm depending, I'm really depending on all those great condiments that I got from the supermarket that are sitting on the refrigerator door and the stuff that I got in my pantry. So this is truly, when I say everyday cooking, this is everyday cooking. Reading cookbooks makes me happy. Writing cookbooks makes you happy. What about writing cookbooks makes you happy? You know, it's to see everything. So I love creating new recipes. Um, My husband says that if my editor didn't say, okay, time's up, um, you've got to turn them in, I would just be constantly working on, on tweaking recipes. I love creating recipes. I love writing them. When I'm writing them, I'm thinking about the person who's going to be in the kitchen making them. And I like to think of writing recipes as a conversation that I'm having with a home cook. And that's a pleasure for me. And I love sharing what I've done. I love knowing that what I've worked on will be made by someone else and that that person will share the food at his or her table. So there's, I mean, every step of the process of writing a cookbook has its own kind of pleasure. Talk about how you sneak in a little surprise in everything you make. (laughs) I love, I love when a dish has something unexpected, especially when you think you know the dish. So for instance, meatballs and spaghetti. It took me years to make meatballs and spaghetti because every time I would make the meatballs, my husband would say his mother's were better. Oh no. Um, We've all been through (laughs) that, I think. Um, But the truth is I didn't love meatballs. Take a meatball, take a bite of it, take another bite. All the bites were the same. And so the surprise that I snuck into the meatball, walnuts and oats. So the oats kind of make the meatballs a little fluffier. They, they, they make some space in the meatballs. And the walnuts are a change in texture. And so now when you have this meatball, every bite is a little different. Or like one of my favorite recipes in the book is called oven charred tomato stuffed peppers. I love this dish for a million reasons. 
the surprise is, okay, when you look at it, it's a sweet bell pepper. I've cut it in half. And what you see are halves of cherry tomatoes all over the top of the peppers. And they've been drizzled with oil and there are some herbs thrown on top of them. And they go into a really hot oven and they become soft and sweet and melty and charred. But what you don't see is that little surprise tucked under the tomatoes. It's a highly seasoned breadcrumb mixture. And so you taste the peppers and you taste the tomato together and you think that's what you're getting. You're getting tomato and pepper and then you get something more. Um, It's a great dish. It's beautiful when it goes into the oven. It's beautiful when it comes out. You can make it ahead. You can serve it hot, warm, or room temperature. So for me, that's like my ideal. (laughs) That recipe, I think, is the spirit of my new book. So you split time between New York City, rural Connecticut, and Paris. Where will you be celebrating the holidays this year with your son and new daughter-in-law? My new daughter-in-law. I'm so happy for for our whole family. (laughs) The joy of having a new daughter-in-law is having having a a slightly extended extended family. And um, yes, we will all be together. um, She's been in our family for a few years now, and um, we celebrate holidays and birthdays together. So we will be having Thanksgiving, as we have had for the past few years, at a friend's house in New York City. And we split the cooking. And actually, everybody who comes brings something. One of her friends always brings lasagna because that's what he had for Thanksgiving growing up. Um, And so there's a turkey. And I always make a cranberry sauce. And I'm I'm in charge of desserts. Um, I make a soup. And this year, I think I'm going to make the roasted um, squash soup, the roasted butternut, butternut squash soup from the new book. And I'm going to surprise everyone because in addition to my usual pumpkin pie, I'm going to bring a dessert from the book, which I just think it's going to be perfect for Thanksgiving. It's called the triple triple layer parsnip and cranberry cake. Perfect. It's, yeah, I think it's going to be just the right ending for the dessert. It's a, a three-layer parsnip cake. Think carrot cake, but parsnips. It has cream cheese, frosting, and filling. And it has a cranberry jam that you make in a flash. And I put it between the layers. And so you get that beautiful pop of color with the really comforting cake. I like the trend in cookbooks where if you're a more seasoned cook, you can swap items in a recipe. And you've constructed all of your recipes so ingredients can be swapped. Give me an idea of what you would swap in, uh, let's say, your warm squid salad. Oh, I love that salad. So that's a really simple salad. And squid, you know, squid cooks in a minute. So it's a great um, spur of the moment salad. But you might not have squid at the spur of the moment. So that's a salad that could easily take um, shrimp instead. I always keep some shrimp frozen in um, 
at home. You could also use the base of the salad for um, some leftover chicken if you had it in the refrigerator. So I like, as you said, when you can play around with a recipe, when you can make your own choices, when you can do at home what I do at home, which is look at what I've got and find a place for it. As I said, this is this book is truly my most practical cookbook. You have a book you've talked about called L'Art de Couper le Fromage, The Art of Cutting Cheese. What is the proper way to cut brie and around cheese like camembert? That book was given to me when, when we first moved to, actually, I bought it when we first moved to Paris about 20 years ago because I realized that I wasn't cutting, um, a cheese board would be passed around at a friend's home for dinner. And I was looking left and right to see how people were cutting their cheese because I knew that I didn't know the rules. If the cheese, if you've got the whole cheese, it's round, then you want to cut a pie-shaped wedge out of it. If it's being served as a wedge, never, never, never cut off the nose. Don't cut off that tip. You want to cut a slice from the long end of the triangle. And what you're really aiming for is to cut cheese so that the last slice of whatever cheese it is looks like a little mini version of what the whole cheese was. It's not always easy. Um, and that, that's why I bought the book. There are rules for pyramid-shaped cheeses and for square cheeses. And, but with a brie or a camembert, the reason you don't cut the tip off is, well, it doesn't look so pretty afterward, but the tip is the best part of the cheese. I know. And so if you cut it, right, if you cut it off, you're considered selfish. Oh, no. So, so you want to cut the cheese so that everyone gets a bit of that tip. Oh, the pressure. I, I know. That's why I bought the book. <laughs> I, I think we all need that book. And then I heard that it's impolite to go back for seconds. The way a French dinner party works is you compliment the the host or hostess who's, or who's cooked the meal by complimenting the food that he or she has made. And you are allowed to ask for seconds for everything that's homemade. But the cheese was not made by your host. And so you get to go around once. You may take as many pieces and as of cheese as you want and as much cheese as you want. You just aren't supposed to take seconds. Okay. Well, I'm going to write all this down. <laughs> <laughs> call me if you need help. I, oh, gosh. I will. I'll call you tomorrow. Uh, so I've heard you say, had I been born French, I wouldn't have learned to bake. Talk a little bit about that. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. It's not the way we bake at home in America is so different from the way French people bake at home. French people rarely bake at home. Um, in part, it's because there are so many pastries available in the so many pastry shops that are 
it's like a zone. I think it's like a zoning regulation that every other street has to have a pastry shop. And so there's pastry everywhere. And there isn't for a long time, ovens weren't reliable. I mean, my first apartment in Paris was an adorable apartment and it didn't have an oven because it was in a building that was so old that the electricity and gas lines, or there were no gas lines, couldn't support everyone having an oven. And I, this is still true in some, some places in, in Paris. So baking wasn't the pastime um, that it is in America. Also, French people do bake, but they bake very simple things. The most popular um, homemade dessert is a yogurt cake. And that's made, almost every French person can make a yogurt cake and can recite the recipe without, you know, from memory, because it's based on the size of the yogurt container. So it's, I don't know it by heart, but it's like, let's say one container of yogurt, two yogurt, yogurt containers of oil, three yogurt containers of flour. Um, it's a very simple, incredibly delicious cake. But the tradition of home baking is not as strong in France as it is here. Julia Child once said to you, we're so lucky because we work in food and that means for the rest of our lives, we'll be learning something new. What did you learn while putting this cookbook together? Well, as I said, I learned something about myself and the way my cooking has changed. And I learned, Julia was so smart. Um, and I learned about boosting flavors. I learned about getting the most out of each ingredient that you don't need a long, long list of ingredients to make a dish flavorful. You need the right ingredients. You need the right combination of ingredients. Um, I learned, I learned a lot about flavor working on on this book. Let's say I'm coming to your house in Paris. What do I get when I arrive? If you come to my house in Paris, what you get when you arrive is the same thing you get if you come to my house in New York or Connecticut. You get gougere. So gougere are cheese puffs. They're made with the same dough that you would use to make cream puffs, but they're savory. They have cheese in them, a mixture of cheese. And I, that's become my house special. So I make the gouchere. I think last Christmas, my husband said that I made about a thousand gouchere. A thousand? Year, I'm gonna, oh, I think so. Oh because gosh. I was making a hundred at a time. And, and so this, this holiday, I'm going to um, make little marks on the tile behind the oven and keep count of how many gougere I make. So they're so, aside from the fact that they are so delicious, they're the perfect welcome bite because you make the dough. I scoop the dough using a little cookie scoop, scoop out the dough and freeze the gougere unbaked. I freeze them on a little um, cutting board or something. And then when they're frozen, pop them into a, an airtight container. And then whenever company arrives, you just pop them directly from the freezer into the oven and you have 
the whole the whole house smells cheesy, warm, delicious, inviting, and you've got this hot. I was going to say warm, but the hot these hot cheese puffs to serve with champagne, sparkling wine, or white wine, which is the other thing I would give you as soon as you came through the door. I love it. Yep. And so I've been making Gougere forever. And in Everyday Dory, I actually um, changed my recipe, something I hadn't done in, I don't know how long, but we were talking before about having a surprise in a recipe. Mm-hmm. I put a little bit of Dijon mustard into the batter. So the batter is fairly, fairly neutral. Um, it, 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 it's kind of a holder for all that good cheese that you put in it. And so I put some mustard in to kind of perk up the flavor. And I also put some toasted nuts into the gougere can be walnuts, can be pecans. So again, you have that element of surprise. You have the custardy, cheesy puff, and then every once in a while, you get the little bit of chew and snap from toasted nuts. The other evening, I made your recipes for fresh off the cob corn chowder on page 72 and your dark chocolate pudding on page 294. So the chowder is a complete meal. I think all you just need to add is a crusty roll and you're set. I I read your uh, playing around box on that recipe because I was out of bacon. So I used shrimp instead. Somebody once said that my playing around boxes give people permission to play around, to make changes in the recipe. I... And and that's what I really hope that people will do. If you find a recipe you like, I hope you'll make it your own. Shrimp is a great addition to this. So the chowder is, um, it has um, potatoes because because chowder. Um, It has corn and you're actually taking the, the corn off the cob, but you're using the cob to, um, to flavor the soup. And one of the things that, well, I couldn't stop playing around with this because I was thinking you could add a little cream or half and half to it, or you don't have to. You could drizzle a little oil over the top, like chili oil, just to add um, some some pop to, to what is a really soothing, comforting dish. Pesto would be good with the chowder. Grated Parmesan would be good. Ham instead of bacon. I mean, just shrimp or lobster instead of, 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 or in addition to any of the ingredients. I just, my mind just keeps going after I've created a recipe and I think about all the possibilities. And so I provide the playing around box in the hope that it will get you thinking. And obviously, Susie, it did. It sure did. (laughs) So the dark chocolate pudding made me a little nervous because the recipe said to whisk energetically and the liquid starts out so watery. So you really, you really have to have faith that if you energetically whisk, it's going to firm up into a pudding. And it did. Oh, I was just waiting for the end. It did. (laughs) It totally did. But I was just like, I got to be energetic. (laughs) Well, you know, when, when I'm writing 
the recipes and working on them. I mean, I, I work on them after I've um, developed them and I've written them. They get sent off to um, Mary Dodd, my recipe tester, and she works on them and we go back and forth. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to, as I said, think about the home cook. Think about, you know, I, I, try, I try to be with the cook in the recipe, but of course I won't physically be there. So I try to give you as many keys to success as possible. And so the word energetically is there so that you'll pay attention and do that. I did. And it said energetic whisking for about five minutes or so. <laughs> I was like, um, here we yeah. go. Did it, did it say it'll be your workout for the day? No. <laughs> No, you need to add that in the next printing of the book. No, it was incredible. And it, it definitely thickened up as pudding should. And it was so good. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I love that pudding. I like you feel like pudding is a very American thing. What do your French friends think of this pudding? So to them, they think it's French. They, if I said this is American chocolate pudding, they would say, oh, no, this is just like our creme anxieuse, or it's a little bit very much like um, creme pâtissière, like pastry cream. They would recognize this pudding immediately and take it as their own. Now to my segment called My Last Meal. If you had to place an order for your last supper on earth, what would it be? I don't have to have a typical meal. And while I always told Joshua, our son, that he had to eat his meal before he, he got dessert, this is my last meal, so I don't have to do that. Yeah. I would have as much ice cream sundae as I wanted. That's what I would have. With hot fudge, with toasted nuts, with vanilla ice cream, with coffee ice cream, with chocolate ice cream, maybe with some mint chocolate chip. I could have anything, right? All That's the things. Where can we find you on social media and the web? So I am at Dory Greenspan, D-O-R-I-E Greenspan, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And my website is DoryGreenSpan.com. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, and I'm so excited to see you tonight at the 92nd Street Y. Oh, good. Oh, good, 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 good. And thank you, Susie. Thank you for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, Music to Cook By, on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. And as always, subscribe in Apple Podcasts.